what God has to say about raising our children to follow after him. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Bookstores and libraries are filled with books on how to train and raise your children. Fact is, you can wipe them all away and go to only one. And a book within that book, the book of Ephesians. Hi there. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We're continuing our look at the Spirit-Filled Home today, and our message is called Spirit-Filled Home, Children and Parents, something I think we all can learn from. God's Word, uniquely and specifically, here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast. Let me share with you some ways that uh, I think you can exasperate and uh, frustrate your children in raising them. Some common provocations. That word is either provoke or exasperate. Uh, I would say, don't smother your children. Uh, let them be what they are. Now, I don't mean let them burn the house down. I mean, they're individuals, individual bent. And uh, I give the example that uh, most kids are an extended ego of the parent. And what the dad never did in life, he might want the kid to be the heir and do it. And I use music and uh, athletics as just an illustration. Don't program them and force them to be what you want to be in the sense of vocational bents. I mean, it, it would be just terrible if a boy grew up and not be a star football player and be a great violinist. That'd be a waste, wouldn't it? Who says a boy has to play football to be a boy, to be a healthy young man? He might want to even do math. Or you may come in some days and he's got paintbrushes. Oh, you can't, no son of mine's ever going to be a painter. Why not? Don't smother them with your agenda in areas that really are not right or wrong. I think we need to be fair. You don't know what God hands you when you get this child. You don't know what the bents are, what they're going to become. And I think it's wisdom to find out what those bents are and feed them towards how they've been individually made. And don't smother them to be what you want them to be, except in Christ-like character. Uh, favoritism. Uh, you just go all the way back to Isaac and Esau to see that struggle. Mama picked uh, Isaac, daddy, uh, or Jacob and Esau. Daddy, you know, picked Esau. Mama picked uh, uh, Jacob. And guess what? Ever since they've been fighting in those two families, the descendants of uh, Esau still hate the descendants, their own brother. Edom and Jacob, they still hate each other. And then you even get Malachi. You see what a difference there is. Uh, favoritism, uh, it can really discourage a child to know that they are not of equal value in the family system. And uh, I, I think it's a, a very common thing to see that kids pick up who are the favored and uh, who really gets the kind treatment now, you must say this, some are easier to raise than others. But any parent agree, I was easy to raise. <laughs> At least my dad said that. 
And the only reason was I was scared to death. I knew he would do what he said because I watched my brothers get it. And so I was smart. I didn't like to hurt. And I snuck around all I could. It still got caught. I think a thoroughly stressing achievement beyond reasonable boundaries. And uh, I read of a uh, uh, pastor who was dealing with a young lady in their church that when he visited her, she was in a padded cell. She'd had a nervous breakdown. And uh, this was the background. Her mother kept pushing her uh, to achieve, to excel. And uh, this girl did everything she could to please her parents. Uh, she stretched herself. She became the most popular in school. She sought to be beautiful. She was successful in school. She became the head cheerleader, homecoming queen. Later, she became a model. But the pressure to excel became too great and she had a complete mental collapse. And after the pastor saw her and she was released from this mental hospital, she went back to the same environment. She finally committed suicide. And she summed up in one of the pastoral visits. This is what she said to the pastor before she committed suicide. I don't care what it is I do, it never satisfies my mother. I'll never win her approval. I can't do it good enough. I can't jump high enough. I can't say it good enough. What'd you get, just a B? You're supposed to only have A's. Did you know that a B student has as much value as an A student? But we don't treat people that way. We treat kids based upon performance many times. I never forget a pastor friend of mine that they couldn't have children, so they adopted two. The first child was a girl, and she seemed to excel in everything. She just was very great academic. Uh, and uh, my pastor friend and his wife, they couldn't take credit for the genes. They just were raising her. They adopted her. But she excelled. The boy did not like academics. <laughs> he just couldn't hardly keep his attention in class. He was 180 degrees out on this girl that was just walking across the stage and taking all the awards. And uh, their boy brought home a bad report card. And of course, it's disappointing to the parent. And he finally had to sit down with the boy and just say, you know what? If you never make better than a C, you're precious in the sight of mom and I. We wanted you. We paid a lawyer to adopt you. We want you. And our love isn't conditioned on your grade card because you've got worth in our sight. Worth not based on academics. Worth based upon we chose to pour out our affection and our economics on you before there ever was a report card. You were just an infant we took from a pregnant gal that didn't feel she could raise you. Not knowing what was in the package. So I want you to know in your worst days, son, you've got two people in your life that will love you no matter what. You never get over that kind of love. It enables you to excel anything you've ever done before. 
But it is terrible to think that your love will be cut off just because I can't or not able to perform any better. A lot of this goes on. Uh, discouragement. Uh, always have faults pointed out, but never complimented nor affirmed. That one boy said he was 12 before he found out his name wasn't shut up. You know, uh, stupid, shut up. I mean, um, it, it, you just need to go down to Safeway here in town if you, don't, if you want to see it. Just hang out the store and uh, get over here. Get that, that, that. I thought, wow. And they, gotta, they don't get to, you know, I can't wait till they leave the premises. Nothing. That kid, he's going home with the same person. Where affirmation and encouragement is not the environment. And I see this in some well-meaning men. Uh, if they're successful themselves, I see little toleration in them for those that are struggling. You know, the better you are at something, the least patience you have for those that are not good at what you're good at. Watch that. If you're really good at math, you just can't understand why everybody doesn't love geometry. Why anybody can do calculus? Oh, can they? Anybody ought to be able to do that. No, you can do it. Ignorance abounds in every field. Ignorance is not a matter of IQ. It's a matter of I don't know. And guess what? There's a whole lot of stuff I don't want to know. Because as Rich says, my hard disk can only hold so much data and I want to pick the data I put in it. I thought you ought to hear that. It's the only computer language I know. <laughs> uh, I think uh, not showing the child they are wanted and worth a great deal to you. Uh, and I think through the teenage years, if they're rebelling and putting, it's awfully hard to do this, but you get to a fresh start. I think love them before they rebel. Build up a good deposit. <laughs> and uh, you may get a little thin in the rebellious years, but if you've got those years of investing, then just say, and I've said it with my own kids, I am not on trial for loving you. Do not put me on trial. I have loved you. There is no question. At least I think I have. No, it, no, no. I'm not on that. I know. I mean, Carol and I, boy, we prayed about every birth and every, you know, I want it more, but Carolyn says, I am totally satisfied. And so we've only got eight kids. No, uh, eight sounds good if you don't have to change the diapers. Um, failing to let children grow up at a normal pace. Um, some homes, my lands, there's no fun. Everybody's on regiment, especially the kids. Using love as a tool of reward or punishment, withholding love when the child is bad and giving, giving it when they're good. You know, uh, learn to make this difference. It may help you. Acceptance and approval are two different things. We can't always approve of what the child does, but let's not make our acceptance of them as a person condition. That is disapproval. You know, what you did is wrong and, and you deal with the wrong, but never let it move in their minds to acceptance, non-acceptance. Um, and then of course, the great tragedy of our day that's so highlighted is physical, sexual 
emotional, verbal abuse. Um, it's terrible to treat a child. I, I, I get a little sick. I, I really do. I just want to show you my bias and my prejudice. I get a little sick of people that can treat a cat better than a child. And, and, and I don't care if you've got a hundred little kitties. One, a thousand kitties don't equal one human being. I'm sorry, and I'm not going to do their funeral. You know, one of our guys left here and was going to a very wealthy area, a church, and, and the prayer request every week from this one woman, pray for my poodle. And he just, just didn't know how to get into it like he should. You know, give it long life. What, what are you praying for? Well, I've just made enemies, but I just want you to know that uh, uh, I see people with all this patience. Listen to a, a father. He wrote this to a pastor. My family's all grown and the kids are all gone. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But if I had to do it all over again, this is what I would do. I would love my wife more in front of my children. Isn't that good? How many of you grew up, don't raise your hand, how many of you grew up with your parents arguing in front of you? Fussing, carrying on. And then another, how many of you did you watch your folks being affectionate in front of you, kissing each other, loving on each other. I mean, we, it's a family thing with us, especially our youngest. It was magnetic. If, if Carolyn was in the kitchen and, and I just put in a song on, I'm in the mood for love, you know. Now it's thanks for the memories, you know. But then it was, I, I'm in the mood for love, you know. Uh, hey, as soon as I go in the kitchen and I'm going to just grab a kiss, or just hug her and uh, uh, catch my shirt in the oatmeal or something like that and just uh, do that. It would be magnetic, especially to Elizabeth. And, and I'd always thought, well, Carolyn, have your knees grown? Something is bumping into me. And, and this little two or three year old always getting in between. And we just worked it out with one hug. You can get the whole family. You just, just do it but it's magnetic. It's marvelous. You know what? Your kids don't care if you're getting along with them as much as they do that you're getting along with their mother. In our house, if my dad and mom weren't getting along, it didn't matter. You better believe that neither one were real sweet to us kids if they weren't getting along. It, it, it's the filter down effect. You know, I'm telling you, if they were not getting along, Boy, uh, Sandlot Ball looked real good. Get out. Get away. And, uh, but boy, if he was kissing on her, if there was affection there, whoo, it's going to be enjoyable. And so, uh, you guys, I want you to start kissing on your wife more in the kitchen. Help you lose weight anyway. I would laugh with my children more. And boy, I don't see a lot of that. Laugh at our mistakes and our joys. I would listen more, even to the littlest child. I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending perfection. You ought to be a preacher and raise your kids that hear your sermons and see you undo them two hours later at home. You know, you're down here preaching, love your wife. You get home, Carolyn, where is it? Dad, you just preached. 
Don't tell me what I preached. That's the Word of God when I'm in the pulpit. At home, I'm just me. Whoa, there seems to be a disconnect. I want to disconnect your lip. In Jesus' name, you respect your Father. Well, I give me something to respect. I can't respect liars. I can't respect hypocrisy. Are you a paid liar? Are you paid to tell them how to do it, but it doesn't apply to you when you go home? Oh, it, it has a real way of humbling you. That's why I asked them not to be here today. <laughs> now, they really had another booking, but I'm going to milk it for everything it's worth. I would pray differently for my family. Instead of focusing on them, I'd focus on me. Lord, straighten them out. Straighten them out. Get that. And the emphasis of this man is, no, I'd pray about my attitude, about my part. I would do more things together with my children. Boy, I wish I would have. I would encourage them more and bestow more praise. I'd pay more attention to little things like deeds and words of thoughtfulness. And then finally, if I had it to do all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day, I would use to direct them to God. And that's exactly what Deuteronomy told Israel to do before going into Canaan. I mean, when you put them to bed, when they get up, you know, everybody's worried, well, can we do family devotions? We don't know how to work it in. Do you ever put them to bed? That's a good time. When you get them up, do you ever go for a walk? Do you ever eat together? Turn off the TV. Don't watch TV at dinner time. Be a great time for devotions, just to talk the Lord, His goodness. If you didn't do anything every day, but at the end of the day, we're going to just share how good God has been all day to keep us. Don't worry about this big, elaborate system that you can't keep over three days at a time. When you get up, when you go to bed, make it a way of life. Make Christianity and God a way of life, not something you tack on at 15 minutes a day and say, ooh, we did it. If you can do that, great. But it was always hard for us. What's not hard is God just being a way of life. Eat, drink, get up, play, laughter. God to be involved. Because God's not something you just pick up at the door on Sunday. He's a, he's a part of your life. That, that, they can start seeing that. They can relate to that. Uh, he tells them to do three things with these children. Bring them up. And that word bring them up is our word nourish, uh, literally. And it was that tender word for nursing a child. So he says, nourish them. And he said, nourish the wife. And it's a word of warm them uh, and to treat them well. Uh, and it really has the idea of overall uh, care for them. Care for them. And two things in the care you need to do. You need to train them or discipline. It's uh, trained either way. Discipline always sounds negative. Discipline the child, but it's not a negative term. It's, a, it's an education term. Train them. Train them. Right out of Proverbs. Train your children. And then he says, a term that can be negative, and uh, admonish them. That is, uh, you're willing to point out what needs to be changed, improved, corrected. And that's always a part of training. But it doesn't have to be negative. It's just a part of the curriculum. And uh, I think of this, how are you training your children? Uh, 
Train them by means of words and instruction. He said in Proverbs 3, plant your commandments, your teaching in the heart of the child. Write it on their heart. It's tabla rasa. God hands you a blank sheet, as it were. There you come here. Now, in that clay is a bent to sin because they've got your sin nature. That, you did give them that. But they come to you blank. And God says in Proverbs, my son, hear the instructions of your dad and your mom. Write them, inscribe them on the tablet of your heart so that you come into life and you've already got a set of presuppositions, a set of instructions. Uh, if you mind the term, you've already got a set of godly prejudices. You're already prejudiced against being immoral because you've been taught by your mom and dad. You're already prejudiced against, you've already prejudged that lying is wrong. You've prejudged that violence is wrong. Where did you get it? Where did you get it? The parent trained you, trained you. And it's an appalling thing to father someone you won't train. A dog is worthless without being trained. Trash a rug and bite your neighbors. You can train a dog, and believe me, you can train a child. The passivity of men, not only towards wives, but for children is appalling. There's not one man that trains his child out of a hundred. They feed them, they yell out a few orders maybe, or they can be passive, but in actively engaged in morally training this person, shaping them. It's a marvelous opportunity. What a great thing. What were you trained by your parents? And you used to go back, I was trained, I was taught how to treat a lady. I was taught how to just basic ethics, wonderful. In our culture, there's been so much sin, devastation. We burn up everything, including childhood morals and values. We're too busy abusing to train. No, the biblical order, man of the household under the spirit's control, you train those that you have fathered. Teach them the law of the Lord. Teach them his commandments. Give them godly wisdom out of Proverbs. There's the curriculum. And let me say, if I was a young parent here, I would read a chapter of Proverbs every day and I'd keep a notebook of every child training principle you see. God knows how to raise kids. Some of them rebel on him, but it's not because he didn't know how to train them. God is a child trainer. And he wants us to train. Let me say this. I would not trust the youth group. I would not trust this church. I wouldn't trust anyone to make sure my kid knew God. I'd make that my responsibility. Don't throw that off. Don't think daycare is going to teach him about God. Don't think maybe, well, your church isn't doing a good job with my kid. Are you? What if all the churches dried up and blew away? Could your kids know God? And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Thank you for joining us today. It's our prayer that our time together here on Truth For Today encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. As we close out our broadcast, we would also like to invite you to contact us if you have a 
question about the broadcast, a prayer request. Maybe you'd like to order a copy of today's broadcast. We do have them available. Simply contact us and let us know of your interest. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You are also welcome to write to us. Our address is 1511M Sycamore Avenue. We're here at Suite 278, Hercules, California. Zip code is 94547. Now, another way to contact us and learn more about us would be to visit our website, valleybible.org. It's there that we have all kinds of information about who we are, what we believe, directions to the church, service times. And we also have a lot of resource material stored there as well. Simply go to valleybible.org and spend some time exploring our website, finding out about us a bit more. If you would like to become a TFT sustainer, we would love to hear from you. This broadcast is aired daily here on KFAX as we are able to partner with you, our listeners, financially. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. Our weekly video devotional is available to you as well. And again, it's all as a TFT sustainer. When you contact us with your gift of any amount, we'll sign you up. 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org. Or you can write to us at 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, And the zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.